which to you word is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. Now I pray to God that ye do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that ye should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates. For we can do nothing against the truth, but for the truth. Let us pray. Father, take your own word, we pray, inspired by your spirit. May he now have free course in this place, across this car park, and even Lord who will watch. Use it for your honour and for your glory. And may your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, be exalted and lifted up on high. We pray, Father, that if there's one or some here that are not yet saved and know not your Son as their own Lord and personal Saviour, we pray tonight would be the night, Lord, that you would draw them to the cross and would find them repenting of their sin and being born again of your Spirit and washed in the blood of the Lamb. Father, we ask you for those that are weary, that you'd strengthen them. We ask you, Father, for those who have wandered, that you would draw them back into the way. And we pray, O God, tonight, that you would have your way, as you seem it and deem it fit to do. So glorify your name. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen. The Apostle Paul is writing to Corinth. He's writing to the church at Corinth and he's already written a letter. He's been there, he's written a letter and now he's writing a second letter before he intends to go back again to the city and to the church of believers that are there at Corinth. And you see, the thing about it is, is Corinth, the city has been, it's a city of of wickedness and of sin. The city of Corinth is so licentious that there was a saying in the days of the epistles and even through earlier history that when someone was acting as though they were unsaved or if there was someone who lived a life of debauchery, someone who lived a life of fornication and all manner of sin, People used to say across the whole Middle East, brother or sister or friend, stop playing the Corinthian. Corinth was on a little isthmus of land and there were the seaports and all of the known world would sail into it. Men and women of all sorts of people were around it. And there Paul finds that he plants a church and the grace of God, with the help of God, and the church is a fledgling church. The church hasn't got the New Testament 
as you and I have this evening. In fact, they're living it. And, of course, Paul is writing it. And that is our New Testament. We are to learn by it, to examine ourselves in it. And so Paul writes to the church at Corinth, not only were they abusing spiritual gifts, and he writes to them about this, but they were living licentiously. They were living as if they were unsaved, some of them. And some of the sin that was going on in the church, Paul is asking, before I come again, before I come, as it were, with a spiritual sledgehammer, if we can put it like that, before I come again, I'm writing this letter that you might get yourself ready and you might make sure you're right. If you look at 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 10, Notice what he says, therefore I write these things being absent, lest being present I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. In other words, Paul says, I'll come and you'll not like what I'll say. You might not like how I tell you, but when I do it will be to edify you or to build you up, not to destroy you not to discourage you in any way. So Paul is writing as a foretaste before he returns to Corinth again. And in this, he leaves something. He leaves a little note for the believer's self-examination. Look at our reading in 2 Corinthians 13. Notice what he says in verse 3. Seek ye... Ye, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you word is weak, but is mighty in you. You see, it's all, it's a shoot the messenger time. And Paul is writing and he's saying, You'll, you're saying, well, who does this man think he is? Who does this preacher think he is to speak such words? And under what authority, Paul, are you writing this letter? Paul is telling them, I'm under the authority of the apostleship of Christ. That I am an apostle, he says, of the exalted and the risen Lord. The ascended Lord called me on the road to Damascus. And therein is the authority. But what is the authority of the preacher tonight? What is the authority of this man to tell you about the scriptures and the authority of this man to preach to the lost that they must be born again. To the Christian of living a life that's worthy of Christ. The authority is that I have been born again. That I have been washed in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that I have the final book in my hand. I have the word of God which is the final authority in all manners of Christian conduct and living. Nothing trumps the word of God. Not even the word of the devil. Not even the word of a king or a prime minister. Not even the word of a president or a pontiff. No word trumps the word of God. The word of God is sure and is forever Settled in heaven. God's word is final. 
And Paul is telling them this at Corinth. Take note, brother, sister, and friend. He says this in verse 4. He brings us to Calvary. He brings the Corinthians to Calvary. And he brings you and I to Calvary this evening. For though he was crucified, the Lord Jesus Christ, through weakness. Now, if you want to know what the weakness is of the Lord Jesus Christ, what does he mean he was crucified through weakness? Was he some sort of helpless victim who could not be helped? Was he some sort of man who was taken by wicked hands and had no hope of release? The Lord Jesus Christ was none of it, but rather he was a sacrificial lamb of God. He was sacrificed, as it were, in the mind of God from before the foundation of the world. And so he came with purpose. He came with purpose and he came to give his life freely and to shed his blood freely that you and I might be saved and that you and I might be cleansed from all of our sin. The Lord Jesus himself said, No man taketh my life from me. I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to take it again. Even when arrested in Gethsemane, and there he's taken, and he's battered, and he's bruised, and he's beaten, and standing in Pilate's judgment hall, there with a praetorium guard all around him, there the stripped naked Christ stands before them, And he even tells them that he could pray to his father, which was in heaven, and he would send 12 legions of angels to rescue him. This one was not helpless, but he rendered himself helpless that man could take him in the weakness of humanity. You see the devil. The devil is a defeated foe kicked out of heaven. The devil could never strike against Jehovah, Yahweh God. The devil has no mission and no hope to ever do God any damage. But the only time he thought, notice he thought that he could do any damage unto God was when God in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, was manifest in the flesh. And there the devil thought he had him when he was nailed to the tree, when he was crucified at Calvary between two thieves, hanging and bleeding and dying in agony between heaven and earth. There the devil, as it were, was rubbing his hands with glee and with joy. I've got him, but up from the grave he arose. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day, we are told, according to the scriptures. Aye, the Lord Jesus Christ is presented to the Corinthians. The Lord Jesus Christ is presented to these men and women. And the question is this. Are you saved? Are you saved? I believe. There are many in church today 
There are many who faithfully go in the doors of a church. And there are many who go in and they pay the homage. And they even sing the songs and the hymns. And I believe there are many in church today and they're not saved. They don't know Christ. They leave him at the door when they leave church. He's only there and he's not here in their hearts and in their lives. No consciousness of him. And I wonder if there's any here this evening. Church does not save. But when we are saved by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, we are the church, the ecclesia, the called out of God. Notice here Paul is asking the Corinthians, Corinthian church, not even the sinner here. He's not even asking the sinner here. That is those who are not professing Christ. But he's asking them, Corinthians, are you saved? With your lifestyle, are you saved? How you talk, are you saved? Friends tonight, are you saved? There are many, I doubt, yes, even in our own church there are some. And I believe they have a form of godliness. But they are denying the power thereof. They're denying the spirit in their life to lead them every day. And make them victors and overcomers in our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that they are full of wrath and bitterness and anger. And they hate the world and everything in it and everyone else. And they come to church and put on the show. Maybe even sin with impunity throughout the week. Sinning with their gossip, even sinning in their thoughts and sinning without any consciousness of Christ. Are you saved tonight? This is our last night, folks. I'm asking you, church, the professor, professing Christ, are you saved? I mean saved I mean truly saved I mean are you born again are you born of the spirit of God have you been to Calvary have you been under the blood are you saved Paul brings us with the Corinthians this evening he brings us to Calvary Friend, there's no better place to bring a person than back to the cross. There's no better place to bring a soul than to the cross of Calvary. Not the church. Not talking about a denomination. Not talking about our old church. We're talking about Calvary. We're talking about Golgotha's Hill. The place of the skull. We're talking about the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed. We're talking about his finished work on that cross 
cruel and rough and rugged it was. And there the Son of God died for you. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you blood washed? Are you blood bought? And does Christ live in you? And so Paul brings them to Calvary first. In verse 4, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he brings us to the risen Lord and an empty tomb. Yet he liveth by the power of God. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead again. Ah, Lazarus rose from the dead. Yes, he did. And the little maid that Christ rose from the dead, she rose again when he said, Talitha kumai, and took her by the hand. Yes, that's true. And there are those that his crucifixion rose from the dead. That's true. The scripture says it. But they all died again. But Christ is alive. The Lord Jesus Christ is alive this very moment after the power of an endless life. And there the Lord Jesus Christ is presented to Corinth, to the church, to the believers there. Paul says, are you saved? Do you believe that he's alive? Then since he is alive, brother, sister, Friends, since Christ is alive, we must live our lives before him. Since Christ is alive and well and has risen from the dead and has ascended into heaven and is glorified and is seating at the right hand of the Father, then we must live our lives before him. We must worship him with our lifestyle, with our living, with our talk, with our walk, with our giving. We must worship him 24-7. Paul presents Christ, the cross, and the empty tomb. And Paul says to them and says to us this evening, in verse 4, For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God towards you. Paul is telling us, The Holy Spirit was given at the ascension of Christ. That the Holy Spirit was given. He he didn't leave us on our own. But rather the Holy Spirit was given at the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's something for you. Since the Holy Spirit was given to the believers, is he in you? This is what Paul is really saying. Is he in you? Is it Christ in you, the hope of glory? That's why Peter tells us to make our calling and election sure. Here the Holy Spirit was given and he lives in the hearts of every true believer. Now note what he says in verse 5. First of all, he says, examine yourself. Paul is telling the believers or those who are professing Christ. There's a difference in professing and possessing. He says, examine yourselves whether you be in in the faith. Not whether you be in the church in Corinth, 
But whether you be in the faith, examine yourselves. Now, this is strange. And I'll tell you why it's strange. In Psalm 26 and verse 2. Psalm 26 and verse 2. Listen to what it says. The psalmist writes, and he says, Examine me, O Lord. Notice this. Examine me, O Lord. And prove me. These are the words Paul is using in the verse. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Now here the psalmist is saying, Lord, you examine me. You prove me. Lord, you try me. See, this is Old Covenant, Old Testament. And so the psalmist is saying it's outward to the end. But Paul isn't saying that. He's saying if you're a believer, you can examine yourself from the inside out. Examine your own selves. Do you know why? Because it's still God doing the examination. It's still God doing the proving and giving you the knowing. And I'll tell you why. Because he lives in you. Then he will examine you and you will be honest with him. First of all, are you saved? Paul's saying, are you in the faith at all? Are you in the faith? I'm not trying to discourage anyone. I'm not trying to make anyone doubt. But if you are in the faith and you know Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you will not doubt. But if there's doubt, then we need to deal with it. We need to help you. We need to talk with you. We need to lead you and point you in a more excellent way. Notice this. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. The word here for examination, the idea being that you can't examine yourself, but it's the spirit in you. He will examine you and let you know. Listen, if you're a believer, you can't live like the world and think it's okay. I've seen things recently, even sent to me in social media, and men thinking and saying that they're in the faith and professing Christ, and, and some of the stuff I had to just delete it, I couldn't even read it. What sort of person says they know Christ and think like that, brother? Some of them are even talking about their exploits in alcohol. When I get saved, Christ delivered me from it. Saved me from it. Washed me from the sin of it. Of excess and use of it. Are you in the faith? May we leave you this year long of driving. At the last, this evening, the last driving, I want to leave you thinking, examine your heart. Are you in the faith? There's a lot of weakness in church today. There's a lot of, uh, of weakness of heart today. Christians are offended at the slightest thing. 
Pastor didn't shake my hand today. I'm not coming back. Mrs. Brown or Mr. whoever else, he, he said something to me I didn't like today. Brothers and sisters, we're not serving men. We're serving Christ. Imagine Paul coming into the midst of us. And imagine him writing as he did in verse 10. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness. According to the power which the Lord hath given me unto edification and not destruction. So examine yourself in the faith. Do we worship Christ or serve men? I choose to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Moving quickly, look at what he says. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. What does that mean? And how can we do this? Prove our own selves. If you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 12, please. Luke chapter 12. And I want to show you this word to try and strengthen it to what it really, really means. Luke chapter 12 and verse 56. The Lord Jesus Christ says, Ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that ye do not discern this time? The Lord Jesus said in his day, he said to those Pharisees, he says, you know how to look at the sky and tell what the weather's going to be like. You can discern it. And the word discern there is the exact same word which is used for prove yourselves. In other words, can you not discern what is right? Can you not discern how we should live? Can you not discern what is going on? Turn with me to Luke 14, please. Luke chapter 14. And let your eye run down to verse 18. The Lord Jesus is telling a parable. The Lord Jesus is saying that a man bade a great supper and bade many, and this is their excuses. These are some of the excuses the pastor gets for people not coming to church. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excuse. You know what to put under that if you're making notes? Lame excuse. Lame excuse. Who doesn't go and see a ground without paying for it? Who doesn't go and check it over before they put their hand in their pockets? Lame excuse. Verse 19, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove it. There's your proof. It's the exact same word. I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. The idea is that this man is going to put them in harness, put the yoke on them, and see how they pull together. See if they're strong of the same sort of strength and height, and how they'll ply the field. Will it be a straight furrow? I have to go and do this first before I come to you, Jesus. Lame excuse, friend. Is there someone here tonight you're not saved? 
and you're saying, I must get all my ducks in a row, as it were. My life's in a mess, and I'll tie it up, and then I'll come to you, Jesus, and I'll give my life to you. No, friend, that's back to front and upside down. It's a lame excuse. I've got to go and prove, I've got to go and prove these oxen. The Lord is saying it is a lame excuse. First twenty and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. That's the best excuse. Between the three of them. So in our reading, in Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, let me give you it in a nutshell. Prove your own selves. This again is if the Spirit of God is in you. Here's what it really means. How do we prove ourselves? Go out into society and prove your piety. Go out into society and prove your piety. How are you? How are you then when you're with your work colleagues? Prove your piety. How are you when you're with your friends and those you know who are your family or whoever who are not yet Christ. Prove your piety. Go into society and prove your piety. It's there your metal is tested. When the rubber hits the road, it's there. We find how hard you put on the brakes or hit the accelerator. It's there in our faith that we are proved. And Paul is saying, in a city like Corinth, a city of debauchery, licentiousness, and all manner of sinning, go you out then and take your stand for Christ. Go you out then and take your stand for Christ. Can I challenge you tonight, believer, on our last night? Go you out of here. Go you out of here and take your stand for Christ. Go you into work tomorrow and take your stand for Christ. And you go to meet your family. Nice sunny weather, barbecue on. God bless you, but take your stand for Christ. When you're offered the drink and the alcohol around the table, take your stand for Christ, brother. Take your stand for Christ, sister. When you're offered to do wrong, young person, prove your own selves that I belong to Christ. Take your stand for Christ. And finishing with this point. Prove your own selves. And thirdly, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you. Now here's the difference with Christ in you and when Christ is not in you. If Christ is in you, you're a possessor. You possess Christ. If Christ is not in you, you're only a professor. You profess Christ but don't know him. Notice, know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you except you be reprobate. The idea here is except you be someone who is then discarded, unsaved, 
Churche, Santo Way. And I know I've said it before, and it's in my heart to say it again. There are many, many I believe in church, and they're not saved. Their lifestyle, their language, their lusts, and their living tells me something different. I'm not the judge. He is. That's why Paul is writing, examine, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not your own selves, how the Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. Let me just finish with this thought on Know ye not your own selves in verse 5. The word here for know. Know, K-N-O-W. It's a big word. And it goes like this. Epignoso. Epignoso. An epi, E-P-I in our English language. Epi gives the idea to come to a place to come to a point in time. Could be to come to a terminal moment. You see, you're at a place, a point in a time tonight. You're here. You're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. And so to come to a place, a point in time, in your life, in your walk with God, and you're at a place, a point in a time this evening, at by. And know so is where we get to know to know. And it really means to become thoroughly acquainted with. To become thoroughly acquainted with. So what Paul is saying is this. He says, Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you? Or you have to come to a place, a point, and a time. You're at a terminal now. Is Christ in you or not? Please don't think this is condemnation. This is to help those. If they're not, if you're a believer, rejoice. But Paul is saying, is Christ in you? Is Christ your Lord? Is Christ your Savior? Is Christ your Master? Is Christ your Redeemer? Is Christ your God? Did Christ pay your debt? And do you belong to Christ? Is Christ in you? He says, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves, he says. Then go show it and bear fruit. And then he says, know ye not your own selves. The Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is in you. Except you be reprobates. My last scripture, John 8, and I finish here, please. John chapter 8. Just let your eye run down, if you will, to verse 28. The Lord Jesus is speaking to the Jews. He says, It says, Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, Calvary, we can't escape it. Calvary, we can't get away from it. We don't want to. Calvary. 
When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am He. The He in your King James Bible is in italics. It means it's not in the original text, but it's fine there in the italics for the rendering of the flow of the reading of English. And here's what he's saying. When you lift up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am. The august title of God to Israel. When God said to Moses, I am that I am, hath sent thee. When he was sending then him and Aaron into Egypt. Let me read on. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that hath sent me is with me. The father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things which please him. And he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are you my disciples. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Notice, ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Verse 28, ye shall know that I am he. And then in verse 32, ye shall know the truth. Thy Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now take note. He's talking about Calvary, the truth of God, hanging on the tree, bleeding and dying in agony for you and I. Ye shall know that I am he. The word know is the exact same word, gnosko. It means to become, become thoroughly acquainted with. You will know without a doubt. You will understand without a doubt. You will know in your heart without a doubt. You will become completely acquainted with me, seeing me die on the cross, and you'll realize only the Son of God can do these things and save me. And then he says in the verse 32, and ye shall know the truth. Ye shall become thoroughly acquainted with this truth, that it's Christ and Christ alone. And the truth of salvation in Jesus Christ alone will set the captive free. Are you thoroughly acquainted with Calvary, with the cross work, are you thoroughly acquainted with Christ and his blood that was shed? Are you thoroughly acquainted with him? The Lord Jesus says there will come a time when those will come and say, Lord, Lord, open up to us. He'll say, depart from me. I know you not. The word know is gnosko as well. I am not thoroughly acquainted with you. But I said a wee prayer. It means nothing. But I went to church. I was at the drive-in every night. It means nothing to God. You know what means everything to the Father? God the Father. You know what means everything to Him? His Son and His blood. His sacrifice. And the word depart from me, I know you not, means gives the idea when a husband and wife are united, they become one flesh to know intimately 
Now here's the question, friend. Do you know Jesus intimately? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ intimately? Intimately in prayer, in the word of God, in your heart? Paul says, know you not your own selves, but Jesus Christ is in you. You'll know him intimately. Best to be reprobate. Friends, tonight, as verse 8 says in our reading, for we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Thank you for every night you've come. Thank you for every night you've sat in your car in cold, in the rain when you could hardly see out the window, in the sun when you're baking in the sun. Thank you for every night you came. We appreciate it, every one of you. But are you saved? Are you saved? May God bless you. And again, I'll stand at the corner. If anyone wants to speak about their soul, I'll be at the corner. We'll pray with you. We'll talk to you. May God bless you, each and every one, for his name's sake.